I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to this podcast homily for Fourth Sunday After Trinity, the fifth in a series of 26 homilies for Trinity Season. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. The musical theme is the fourth verse of Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, performed by Richard M. S. Irwin and used with his permission. It is also the theme music for the companion video presentation for Trinity's season. Listeners may benefit from the companion AIC seasonal Video series Trinity Tide, the teaching season, presented in nine episodes, each of them linked from the digital library page, with podcast versions linked from the podcast archive page at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net. The series offers a brief history of the evolution of Whit Sunday Pentecost and Trinity season, Anglican traditions of Whit Sunday and Trinity, including the seasonal color and fasting traditions, and commentary on the Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Whit Sunday Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, all 24 Sundays after Trinity, and Sunday next before Advent in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer. The Collect Epistle and Gospel readings for Fourth Sunday after Trinity are discussed in Episode 3. The Epistle reading for Fourth Sunday after Trinity, Romans 8, verses 18 to 23, is a lesson from St. Paul on the opposite of Christian virtue, that is, vice, more particularly the vice of vanity. He traces vanity to the creation of mankind, explaining that while man has been under a burden since creation, owing to the sins of Adam and Eve, humanity is now offered a new helper, the Holy Spirit, writing this in verse 22b and 23. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the redemption of our body. In verse 19, he wrote of the expectation of the, quote, revealing of the sons of God, unquote, who in verse 21 are now granted, quote, the glorious liberty, unquote, of becoming the children of God. In later verses, just beyond today's reading, verses 26 and 27, he counsels readers to understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit, that is, as the intercessor who helps mankind in its weakness and helps us to know what we should pray for in our daily prayers. The Gospel reading for Fourth Sunday after Trinity, Luke chapter 6, verses 36 to 42, includes two separate lessons, the first on the virtues of mercy and forgiveness, and the second, the parable of the blind man. A shorter version of the same incident is related in Matthew 7, verses 1 to 5. The time is earlier than in previous readings in Trinity season, just after the calling of the Twelve in approximately 28 A.D. 
The audience is the disciples plus crowds not only from Judea and Jerusalem, but also from the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon in present-day Lebanon. In the opening verse, Jesus urges his listeners to be merciful, just as God the Father is merciful toward his creation. The lesson is similar to the verses in the Lord's Prayer concerning trespasses. The message is a warning against excessive self-righteousness and a reminder that it is God who has the ultimate authority to judge. St. Luke recounts this instruction from Jesus in verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus offers another perspective on mercy and judgment in verse 38, using phrases that are often misunderstood or not fully understood by modern audiences. His subject is the practices of merchants in the first century. In verse 38a, give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The words good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over mean nothing to the modern mind since except in the smallest grocery stores and in certain natural foods grocery stores, we no longer purchase wheat, flour, and spices in this manner. But for the most part, we purchase such commodities in prepackaged, sealed, weighed, and priced containers. Here in my home state of Virginia, we have the expectation that the weights and measures inspectors from the Department of Agriculture have taken care that the commercial scales deliver one ounce or one pound of goods if the scale says one ounce or one pound. If we see a merchant shaking the box and pressing down the contents in the manner described in verse 38a, we probably expect either that he or she is deranged or dishonest, or perhaps both. Here is an example expressed in modern terms. You are buying four cups of flour. In the first century, and until the modern laws on weights and measures, you had no assurance of honest conduct. An honest merchant selling four cups of flour would fill the container, pressing down on the flour to void the air out of the container, and then would shake the container, often tapping it against the sales counter to further settle the contents, and if necessary, add more flour to bring the contents up to a full four cups. The dishonest merchant would leave the cup as full of air as possible, secretly press a finger on the scale, or use an inaccurate scale or all three actions, resulting in your getting less than honest measure. The message of Jesus in speaking of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, he meant honest practice, and in verse 38b issued a warning, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If we expect to be judged mercifully by the Lord, we must ourselves give more than is asked, that is, good measure, pressed down shaken together, running over. The reading from St. Luke continues with the short parable of the blind leading the blind in verses 39 to 42, which begin with a question, 
Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? This and the words that followed are not just a homily for the general audience which was present, but a specific message for his disciples concerning how they should act as they evangelize the world. In verse 40, he sets the context of what is to follow, saying, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. In verses 41 and 42a, he follows up, using the traditional Hebrew style of verse couplets, saying the same thing in two different ways. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Do not lose sight of the fact that these words were delivered in the context of the previous verses concerning mercy, forgiveness, and ultimately, judgment. In verse 42b, he issues another warning. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Modern revisionists explain these verses as a warning against any kind of judgment of others. In the early church, the concept of discernment was widely understood. It means the virtue of separating what is important from what is either not important or less important. The meaning is that those who wish to follow the teachings of Christ should internalize the teachings, taking them into the heart with the result that one's actions will be consistent with the teachings. In this case, being generous concerning forgiveness, if one wishes to be forgiven by the Father. Some in the early church say that this is a message to the disciples not to become self-righteous like the Pharisees. One final point. The reading is advice offered on two levels. It is a message for the general audience but it is also a message to the church and the clergy that they must live by the same standards that they apply to others and be forgiving if they wish to be forgiven by the Father. Other AIC resources on topics I discussed in this podcast homily for Fourth Sunday After Trinity are The Lord's Prayer, an AIC Christian Education video series in two episodes, with the petition to forgive trespasses discussed in episode 2. Another series, The Lives of the Saints, which is presented in multiple episodes and in two separate series. In the first series, St. Paul is the focus of episode 5, Matthew of episode 7, and Luke of episode 14. Episodes in seasonal videos and Christian education videos linked from the digital library page Bible study videos from the Bible study page, and podcast versions of all three from the podcast archive page. From the AIC Bookstore Publications, in the Gospel of Luke, annotated and illustrated, the two lessons from the pen of St. Luke are discussed in Chapter 6. The volume includes 111 high-resolution images from the 6th through the 20th century. 
from the layman's lexicon, entries of interest are comforter, discernment, Holy Spirit, judgment, mercy slash merciful, parable, sin, trespass slash trespasses, and virtue. And from the beliefs of the Anglican Church, you'll find instruction on understanding the catechism, forgiveness, and trespasses as discussed in the context of the Lord's Prayer on pages 62 and 63, and the concept of mercy is discussed on page 80. All the AIC Bookstore publications are available using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net or directly from my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. The first closing prayer for Fourth Sunday after Trinity is my own adaptation of a 4th century morning prayer in the Syrian Edessa tradition directed to our Lord Jesus Christ. The second is the collect for Fourth Sunday after Trinity, which Archbishop Cranmer adapted for the 1549 Book of Common Prayer from the Gregorian Sacramentary as it was used in the Sarum Rite in England. We give thanks to you, O Lord our God, who has raised us up from our beds and put into our mouths the words of praise, that we may adore you and call upon your holy name. And we entreat you by your mercies, which you have exercised always in our lives. Send down now also your aid upon those who kneel before the presence of your holy glory and await the rich mercy which is from you and grant that we may always with fear and love worship you, praise you, sing to you, and adore your inexpressible goodness. For unto you is due all honor, glory, and worship to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. And now the collect. O God, the protector of all that trust in thee, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us thy mercy, that thou, being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we may finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.